Hey everyone, uh, this is Mark Cunningham and I am hosting this week, Taylor's on vacation and then Justin got sick real quick um, before him and Stephanie were supposed to do it. So we have two substitutes today with, with me and Ron. So welcome our policy director, Ron Schultes. Thanks, Mark. I think this uh, B team is going to prove that we should be the real A team. So yeah, yeah, I feel like we're like the replacements, right? Like I feel like the movie, the replacements, and we'll go and beat them. That's perfect. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think that Justin and Stephanie are honestly the C team. I just feel like they they were elevated for one week, but now Justin kind of blew it with his sickness. So got sent uh, back down to the to the minors. That's right. Yeah. And this is the first. So I've never actually hosted before. I usually have Taylor do the questions and I answer. So when this is terrible, that's the reason why. So don't blame Ron. Blame me on that. Ron, the, the facial hair looks good too. Well, you know, it's a late night watching session last night, so I uh, didn't wake up early enough to shave. So I don't know. We'll see. We might keep it a little bit longer. Who knows? So I think you did this show about a year ago. And I think since then, if you don't recognize them, you probably lost like 100 pounds. So I know it's an exaggeration, <laughs> but but you've lost a lot of weight since the last time you've been on here. Yeah, it's true. I uh, had, had to lose some weight for a surgery at the, literally right at the beginning of the year. Um, put some of it back on just due to eating unhealthy during session, but we'll get that back off. But yeah, overall, I've lost quite a bit. So. Well, looking good. So let's let's start here by talking about the topic that we've talked about for probably the last year and a half, which is COVID. Um, an interesting development over really the past two weeks has happened where some of these liberal leaning commentators and magazines are starting to hit the left and saying, you are the ones who are not being scientific about this. Now, Bill Maher went on this grand show basically talking about like how DeSantis and Abbott have been the best governors. And of course, he's a diehard liberal because they're the ones that aren't coming up with crazy rules that mean nothing. There was a Great Atlantic article saying that there's kind of, which is another liberal magazine saying that the, the anti-science people are the left right now saying you can't go outside, you know, you have to like double mask outside, uh, kids can't go to school. So has this been surprising seeing how this has worked? We're kind of at the beginning, the right was considered the anti-science, but now it's really flipped and even the left are turning on their own. Well, I think the, the key point that you made was we're finally starting to see the divide between liberal and left, right? I think that's the main thing is, is for the, you know, usually I think they kind of go along together, but now that this has gone on for so long, you're really starting to see the cracks. And so it's just going to be really interesting to see who's a true, like in the old sense of the word liberal versus who's on like a leftist. And that's what I think what we're seeing a lot right now is people like Bill Maher, like, no, you're doing exactly what we have criticized the right of for the past year and a half now of being anti-science. Like, there's literally no reason why you can't be outside nowadays if you're fully vaccinated without a mask or like schools, you know, you're seeing a lot of the cracks around schools reopening. So I think that's been the big surprise is, is we're now finally starting to see those divisions come about. And just maybe the honest brokers. I mean, there's people who are left who are very far left who's like, well, look, like, I believe in science and I believe in on social. They might believe in all these other terms. And they're like, we need to be honest about this, right? We can't just lie. And because we thought that we, we the idea that uh, I read in the Atlantic was, it's just kind of reflexively anti-Trump. So if Trump says open schools, we say don't open schools. Like that, that I mean, he's right about some things. You can say what you want about him, but he is right. And somehow Bill Maher has become like my favorite political commentator in the past year. It's crazy. I, and I think he's funny. My dad still hates him, but I, I like him. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're right. It's just uh, it's the politicization of everything, right? I mean, every so it it was uh, for the longest time. No matter what, if this is what Trump said, this is what we have to do. The opposite. Well, he's gone now, and so now you actually have to stand on policies, not just anti somebody. And you're starting to see those cracks, which is, I think, a good thing. 
Yeah, and they're still trying to, to go with the anti-Trump thing. I'm just not sure it'll work. I mean, I feel like this is exactly what happened with the George W. Bush thing, and then 2010 right. happened, and they got crushed. So we'll see. Um, right. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, what was it? The congresswoman from New York blamed Trump that, like, New York is losing a congressional seat. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, yeah, which is just insane. It's like it's, it's like people who need to go to a mental institution who say stuff like that. Like, how, how, do, how do you even do that? Right. I mean, you could... Uh, even argue that I think it was like only by like 90 people well I mean your COVID deaths caused you to lose a congressional seat not Trump so oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the nursing homes I'm pretty sure that's why exactly. you have to right. um, okay so let's move on to another kind of political policy topic but it's going to be in the state of Tennessee so um, Beacon Impact and you have been up there all session you've been working hard um, and session just ended yesterday correct that's right. Late so last I mean, night. so we were there. So tell us some of the takeaways. I know that one of the big things that Beacon um, Beacon Impact worked on specifically is, was right to work and being on the yeah. constitutional. So talk about some of like your takeaways, session takeaways, some of the important things that you think happened. Well, I, you started with the biggest one was right to work, get, um, keeping the process and uh, to put that in our state's constitution. So we passed it by a simple majority in 2020. So how the process works here, you have to pass it in two years. The second year, you have to pass it by a supermajority. And so we did it literally like in the last week, we got 67 of the 66 votes we needed. So it was razor thin, but it's a high bar. And it should be anytime you're talking about changing the constitution, right? I mean, it should be a high bar to change that. Um, but we were able to show that one, this is something that we can do to push back against Washington. It's good for our state's economy and protecting the right of whether or not you want to choose to join a union or not um, for generations to come. So it's a huge win that will now go on the ballot in 2022 for voters to decide. Um, and so that's really all the legislature was doing was giving voters the choice to do that, the opportunity to do so. And so um, we're really excited about that. And had we not, it would have been until 2026 until we would have been able to because of how the process works. So it was a big hurdle and a, a huge win for uh, us and we think the state. And just to be clear, when you say us, I mean, what, what you mean, you, Beacon Impact, which is the lobbying arm of, of Beacon Center. So, I mean, that's kind of our policy lobbying arm. Um, so, and that, that's a big deal because anytime that you can put something on the ballot, it's like, you're not even putting a, you're not saying this has to be in the Constitution. You're saying, you guys can decide this goes in the Constitution, right? It's not pushing something through. It's, we'll, we'll let Tennesseans decide it, which I think is generally a good thing when you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And then on some other issues that we saw a lot of work around was going back to COVID, right? What are some of the things that we've learned um, from COVID. And so uh, reforming like uh, emergency powers. Um, so for example, in some of the counties that have their own independent health boards, they could create health orders without any kind of approval from like the county mayor that come with criminal penalties. So you have unelected bureaucrats essentially being able to create criminal penalties without any accountability. Um, so that's going to be changing. Look, I, would, I want to do that. I want to create penalties without anything. Right. I mean, I'm, exactly. I'm elect, right? If you don't like the jazz, 10 days in jail. <laughs> Classy right? misdemeanor right there. Exactly. <laughs> you don't like the jazz. So that's it. I mean, that's a big deal. And so that's a huge win. Another one is um, local governments won't be able to create like designations of essential versus non-essential. This is something that Beacon talked a lot about was every Tennessean's job is essential. And so if a business can reopen safely and follow health protocols, who cares what industry they're in? They should be able to open and operate. Um, and so that they'll be allowed to do that going forward. Um, so you saw a lot of reform around that. Another one that kind of flew under the radar that we are super excited about um, is essentially uh, preempting around online platforms. We're going to be the first state in the country to do this 
to make sure like services like Etsy, Instacart, Uber Eats, Uber, um, any type of online marketplace where you're connecting a buyer and then a, um, a seller of a good or a service, um, that can only be regulated, the operation of it can only be regulated at the state level. Um, so we've seen like when new technologies come out, right? You know, uh, when Uber came out, taxis tried to have them banned, you know, go to, at the city, local level, especially around like airports. That's not going to be allowed for whatever that next Uber is. So that's a really big one. Um, we don't know what that next platform will be, but we've already got the, the, the structure in place to make sure that they can launch easily. And let me ask a question. So that's about uniformity too, right? So it's like, if, if you right. have a new thing, if you're in Memphis and you have to go to Nashville, it's a completely different law. I mean, that's problematic for somebody who's trying to do that. And then separately, if you have, you know, new, and I think this is probably one of the reasons that that is important, but if you have these laws that don't really apply to new technologies, but kind of cities try to overregulate and apply that, that can right. really kill industry, right? Yeah. Imagine if you're like trying to be an Instacart driver, right? And, or an Uber driver, and you have to follow a whole patchwork every time you cross a different county. You know, I mean, that could that that's impossible to operate like that. So that way, when you have this that uniformity for that next platform, whenever they come in, right, it makes it a lot easier for them to start, and also for the providers too. I mean, these are people who, especially during COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs, can rely on that income from being able to do that side hustle, you know. And so, whatever that next side hustle is, it's going to only be you're going to have one set of of rules for the whole state, which is a really big deal. Awesome. So let's move on to a fun topic since it sounds like the session was great. But um, and when I say fun, I mean, probably not fun for you. Um, <laughs> but the I mean, at least one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe, you know, top five NFL history, uh, Aaron Rodgers has. And I guess he's not said it yet, but a lot of rumors that said that he wants out. There you go. There's the Packers thing that he wants out of Green Bay. Didn't really give a reason, um, just was unhappy with, I think, the, the GM and thought that he was kind of ruining this team. I mean, drafting a quarterback who wasn't good last year is probably part of the reason instead of receiver. Right. But um, I've actually seen sports media kind of hit him and say, you know, he's kind of being a crybaby right now. Like, I, I've actually seen a number of things who normally I feel like side with the players in these things where, yeah. like, the player wants out have been like, no, this is Rodgers is acting like a child right now. What are your thoughts? Does, does Rodgers – is it fair that he wants out? Is it, is it a fair request? Or do you think it's, it's, it's kind of him being a, a child? So I will first of all say that Aaron Rodgers definitely, as a lifelong Packer fan, like I'm a shareholder, all that, like huge Packer fan. Um, he definitely is, can be a drama queen, a little prickly, and definitely holds grudges. Like that is, there's no doubt about that. But I think if, if you haven't followed the Packers for years, like you may just think, oh, this is something that's been recent, but this has been going on for quite a while. Like uh, they randomly fired like his quarterback coach, which, you know, if you're a quarterback, that's the guy you work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And they didn't even ask him. They never, they're just like, Hey, we're firing him. And he's like, are you kidding me? You didn't ask like, if I thought he should be fired, it, you know, I'm. Which again, I mean, but he's also not the coach. I mean, that's not, I mean, he gets paid right. hours to be the quarterback. I understand why you'd want his info, but it's not, he doesn't have, that's not part of his job description. Sure. It doesn't have to be his final decision, but I think it's one of the, like, you didn't even talk to me about it to get my thoughts first, right? Like, or his favorite talk uh, target for many years was Jordy Nelson, and he really wanted him to be resigned. They didn't do that. Which is a smart uh, decision because he fell off a cliff after that too. Sure. <laughs> but I think the whole point is, is like, you haven't at least gotten my input you know, then of course you had the whole Jordan Love pick last year. So not only did you, people like to say, oh, it's just like the Brett Favre situation. It's totally different. Brett Favre was always talking about retiring. 
Aaron Rodgers has said he wants to play into his 40s, never given any indication that he wants to walk away. Aaron Rodgers fell in the draft, whereas they traded up to get him. So not only did they use the first pick, they gave up a fourth round pick to get him. So it's, it's a completely different scenario. Oh, and by the way, you didn't let him know when like it came out in the news that Andy Dalton, you know, who hasn't even played a down for the Chicago Bears, they called him to let him know, hey, we're going to be drafting Justin Fields, but you are definitely our starter day one. So even a guy who hasn't played for the organization got a heads up when, I mean, this is a guy, let's be frank, if it wasn't for him, we would not be very good. I mean, it's for many years, the Packers were considered at least a contender just because of Aaron Rodgers. And so you didn't give, I think that's the whole thing. He just feels disrespected. Maybe I don't know what his, like, I think there's a lot of smoke about what his actual demands are. I think, yeah. you know, and that's the thing, like until he actually says something specific, to the right. media, all rumors. So you do want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And maybe he told somebody, an NFL reporter, he was unhappy, but that's not the same thing as saying I, I want out for sure. Exactly. I think it could just be a leverage play to like, you know, could be, Hey, if you trade Jordan love and extend me for two years, I'm good. Like guarantee me that I can retire as a Packer, which is what he said he wants to do his whole time, you know? So I don't know. We'll I, I, I mean, I think I'm on the different side. It sounds like you're kind of, I, I mean, it just seems to me like, I mean, they, they drafted Jordan Love as the future. I mean, what, what did Rod, Rodgers got drafted while Favre was still there? And what, was it three years until he actually played it down? Right. In three years, a- Rodgers going to talk about retiring anyway. So I don't understand why, you know, drafting a potential heir apparent once you're done. And, and if sure. he keeps playing this way, there's no way they can bench him or, or, or trade him. I mean, he's playing too well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I'm still in the Rodgers camp on this one. I, I say, like I said, Far was talking about retiring and he kept going back and forth. Rogers hasn't done that. And I think the other thing, you know, too, is when you talk about the future, well, what is the future anymore? Four or five years? Like Aaron Rodgers still could be playing in a high level four or five years from now. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's 43. Aaron Rodgers is 37. So the long term can still be Aaron Rodgers. It just, you know, it just depends. And with how, I mean, you know this, how the contracts work nowadays, like with a rookie quarterback, you have to utilize that first contract, which basically means after this year, they plan to move on from him. So that's, that's the writing was on the wall. And so Aaron Rodgers is using his leverage of playing like an MVP this past year. So well, I think if he ends up going to San Francisco or, or um, Denver, he's going to have a hard time uh, without, he's not going to realize that how good Devonte Adams really is until he has to go somewhere oh, yeah. else and how much he'll miss him. But it'll be interesting to see this. And we got a whole Packers segment. So I'm glad that we got to do this there. <laughs> hopefully it works out for you. I mean, hopefully they figure it out and he stays. And again, you never, I mean, how many media reports have been wrong or being misconstrued in the history of sports? I mean, at least I will, have to take, I will, I will you can just put it in. Like if he's going to be traded, it's going to be like right after June 1st, just because of how the cap works. Like I'm thinking about putting in like, you know, a PTO request for June 2nd, just to be safe. I know. <laughs> so, so one I'll more question though, look at the betting lines. Does he start the season with the Packers? Yes or no? I think the, the odds are that he's a, a slight favorite to start somewhere else. Will, will he start the first game I, for the Packers? I think he's gone personally. Um, I hope that doesn't, you know, be the case because as you pointed out, like if you, if it's about winning the best team for him to win on right now is in fact green Bay. Yep. Right. It's just the personal issues, but I mean, if anything, he holds a grudge. And I think he's just not going to budge on this because he thinks he can turn any team into a winner, which, you know, certainly can make any team into a contender, I believe, but we're built to win now. I mean, that's just what it is. So, so, so no for this. I think you can bet on that. I think it's like minus minus one twenty if you want that. So 
Our last topic, um, it's an interesting one. It's kind of been a lot of Instagram stuff. I don't know if you're on there. I, I, I kind of only understand the memes a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but Bill Gates got divorced from his wife, Melinda Gates, of 27 years, which actually has a huge impact kind of on the philanthropic world because of the, the yeah. Bill and Gates Foundation. Um, and, and I guess I don't pay attention to much, but it seems surprising when people get divorced after that one. I mean, 27 years seems like a, a long time. Uh, so it, to me, I was like really shocked. Like, wow, they're old. You know, I'm, I'm surprised they've been together. They seem happy, I guess, from what I've seen. But it, it got me to thinking, not just about them, but um, about Hollywood generally or, or people who are famous. And what is... And the most surprising divorces we've seen. So, of course, we're on the outside. We don't know the internal thing. But some sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, like Kanye and, and Kim Kardashian, maybe not surprising, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Tiger Woods and, and Ellen Norgren, not surprising based on what happened. But like, so there's these ones that you, you ex- like, you're like, okay, of course, that's going to happen. Jennifer Lopez and anybody, not surprising. But now we're at this point. We're like, that, that's a surprising one. And sometimes you see these couples that seem so happy. Then they get divorced and you're just kind of surprised. So. Ron, what is your most surprising kind of, it can be a famous divorce, can be a Hollywood music, but, but where you're like, wow, I'm really surprised they didn't make it. Yeah. I mean, so in full disclosure, I'm not the biggest like celebrity news follower. So, but I think I would have to say Brad and Angelina, right? I mean, oh, there's yeah, a, that's a good one. Brad Jelena, right? I mean, they created a whole term around this. I mean, and they were married for forever in terms of Hollywood years. I mean, they adopted like, I don't even know how many kids together. Yeah. Right. So I would, you know, when I, you would think that that would, if you were willing to like adopt, I, I mean, I don't even, I think it's like at least four or five kids yeah. together, right? That, that you would have to have a pretty strong relationship to want to, you know, bring on that responsibility. It doesn't matter how rich you are. I mean, children are a responsibility, right? And especially when you're taking on, you know, other kids, you know, through adoption. So I think that one certainly surprised me. I mean, they were like the A-list couple. I mean, you had a whole term for them just because of how strong they were, you know. And, and that was they, they probably were married. I, I don't know the number, but I'm guessing like 10 years at least. I mean, they they were together so. for a while. Yeah. So I think that one has to be up there as one of the most surprising ones. Okay. I'll give you that one. Actually, that's a pretty good one. I didn't actually think of that one. So mine, I, I always think of, and these are like the Channing Tatum, you know, him and his wife, like Jenna Dewan, they just yep. see, I mean, they're in movies together. And like, every time you see them on interviews and stuff, and they seem so happy. And it's like, especially when there's not a clear event, like if, I guess if there's cheating or something like that, you get it, but it just seemed like, you know, they kind of grew apart. And that was the same thing with, with Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Like those are people yeah. who in my mind, you can only see so much, but they seem happy. Right. But, but, but yeah, I mean, then, then there's, you know, so many, I mean, you see all these other people and it's like, well, they were happy, but this guy was actually gay. I mean, you saw Jimmy Greevy. Like there's, there's a <laughs> lot of weird things that come out that you, you just really, it just shows you, you don't really know the inside of people's relationships. And some people who you keep, it's like every year it's like, oh, when are, I mean, Kanye and Kim lasted a lot longer than I thought. It's like every year it's oh, like, absolutely. oh yeah, I'm like, I thought they're getting divorced after six months. I mean, she married Chris Humphreys for like 34 days. So you just kept <laughs> expecting them to get divorced. And it's like, they actually lasted a lot longer than I expected. And I don't, did you ever watch The Hills, that that awful MTV show? No, I okay, did not. Well, good for you. They, they like, have you ever heard of Spencer and Heidi? They were like these. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they seem like the worst. Like they were like, oh, they're gonna divorce. They're been. I just saw they celebrated like the 15th anniversary yesterday. Yeah. So, so there's like sometimes you know you have uh, there's that joke of like when they're fighting a lot. There's a lot of like chemistry, just the you know passion. They just make it work somehow. I guess that can be true. You know where it's those silent couples. You never know. I mean, I guess knows? so. But yeah, but that, that is weird. It's it's funny to think it shows you how little we actually know about celebrities' lives. But it, it, it's fun to talk about. So. 
Well, Ron, uh, first time of the year, we're glad that you came back on with us. I think it was a pretty, I think it was a successful thing. We will definitely, Stephanie and Justin are already kind of talking trash in, in the in their little chat about how good they think they are um, and, and how much better they think they're going to do than us. So uh, we should, we'll, we'll, I think I'll respectfully disagree, but we'll see what happens next week. We'll see. Well, thanks awesome. for joining us, Ron. We appreciate it. Thanks.